Another precious day that the Lord Jesus has uh, allowed us to have. The fact that you're here, you woke up, you are still healthy, you can breathe, you can hear, you can see, is a testament of God's mercy and love upon us, his children. And um, we will be continuing with the, with the book that we uh, have been studying, uh, the book of Philippians, chapter 2. And verse 6 is the one that we'll be concentrating on this, this morning. But I want to read from verse 3 first through to um, verse 6. And this is what it said, rather verse 7. Verse 3 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Paul, through this book, has been writing to his friends in Philippi, trying to address them and trying to work through and speak into their hearts as to we are not to be so self-centered as human nature calls us to be, but actually we are to consider others more than ourselves. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Verse 6. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Sorry, that was verse 5. Verse 6. Who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Verse 7. But made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. So verse 6, which is uh, the, the one we'll be concentrating on this morning. Who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Last week, we looked at the first part of this. We looked at the first part of this verse, which says, Who being in the form of God, and we asked ourselves what it meant. What did that mean? Why did Paul write it? And so that this means Jesus was equal with God in deity. How was he equal to God? We expanded and tried to read the word. We, 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 we looked at the fact that when Jesus was with God in eternity, eternity past, that he was God. Jesus was God. He had all the advantage that God has. Then he, in all eternity, decided to step away from his deity, from his, his magnificent glory, step aside and come into a human body, human form, so that he can reach out to you and I. So before Jesus came onto earth, became a man, became a human, he was God. He had the ability to do whatever. Remember the word that says that in him all things were created. In fact, it was created by him and for him. Now, if you don't, if you think a little bit more, how is it possible? We are worshipping this Jesus on earth, but it says that he was there before the earth was formed. Everything was formed by him, yet he's on earth. It almost doesn't make sense. 
but many things of God don't make sense to our, to our human understanding. But that's okay because all we are asked to do is to trust Him as we read His Word and as He reveals uh, His glory and His ways. We have to just trust Him. So we asked and we looked at what He had. What did Jesus have as God before He came down onto earth as a man? What did He have? He had everything. It all belonged to Him. He created it. He knew. And I made the statement that as I was studying this last week, I, I, I thought, the thought came to my, my mind. I mean, if God, who created the universe, who created us, who created this earth, can forego that stuff, the glory, the power, and come into our human weakness, as it were, to reach out for you and I, what can't he do in your life? What is that you go, that you're going through? What Jonah experience are you going through? What belly hair or what fish has swallowed you? What darkness are you facing? What can God not do in that situation? If he can become a man, simply said, what can't he do in your life? What storm are you going through? What excitement? What is happening? And what can, can he not do? And the simple answer that I said was this. Nothing. Nothing is impossible for this God that we serve. This Jesus that we worship. Of course, we study his word. He is the word. And we realize that there is nothing is impossible to him. We realize that when it says that uh, your, your faith as small as a mustard seed can ask this mountain to move from here to there. It is possible. Because if you he, if he can become a man, what is a mountain? If he can become a man, what, are the, what is the sea that he, can, he parts so that his people can go through? The ocean. That is nothing. So whatever situation you're facing this morning, it is nothing too big for him to deal with. And actually, like we heard from Marisa, all we need to do is recognize, realize that and go back to him. Repent of what we are maybe doing wrong, whatever the case is, and ask him for his help. Reach out to him. And he reaches out to you and says, yeah, here I am. I can do that. I can do that. But then the challenge came uh, when I made the statement is, uh, that often as humans, um, we have a, a particular way of thinking. God, I pray for that to happen. I want, or this, or whatever the case may I, I, I want. And the challenge for you and I as his children is to get to where Jesus was on the way to the cross. When he said, Father, I wish you could take this cup away from me. Please don't allow me to go to the cross and die a gruesome death for all these people. But not my will, Jesus says. Your will be done. And so in our lives, that's what we need to look out for and say, God, I know you can do all of these things. I know nothing is impossible for you. I know that you can, you can cause miracles. We read that in scripture. He changes water into wine. All sorts of amazing stuff that is impossible for human beings to do. We know that he can do that. But our, our posture, our mentality should be this. God, I know you can do that. I know you can do that. And I don't always understand your greater plan. But not my will, Father. Your will be done.
your will be done. So in this week I was speaking to a great uh, friend and teacher and just someone who, uh, and he said this to me, you know, we're talking about uh, this issue about diseases and, and how, you know, we will pray, God heal that and please heal me or heal her. And, you know, we, and in some ways we've been taught maybe incorrectly where it says you must raise your faith. Raise your faith and God will do it. And he said to me, but that actually speaks of you doing it. It's you doing the work. It's not God. It's not Jesus. It's you doing the work. So you must suck yourself up. You are sick. It's because you don't have enough faith. That is wrong. That is wrong. Why would Jesus say that you just need a faith as small as a mustard seed? You can, move that, you can say that mountain must move from A to B. Huh? But now I must suck myself up. God, heal me. And then he said to me, one of the things that he's learned is that often, you know, we'll say, Jesus, God will answer us either a yes in our prayers or no. And then we will try to qualify and say, okay, well, he'll, he'll answer yes, but not now. Oh, no, sorry. He'll answer yes now. It happens. Or he'll answer no because it's not the right time. And partly that's true. But he said to me, there's one thing we need to look deeper than that. And then he said that Jesus actually doesn't necessarily answer our prayers with a no. Looked at him and said, what? He doesn't always say no. He actually always says yes. According to God's will. But the yes he says is, yes, I'm going to heal you. You might not get the healing now on this earth. But in eternity, you will be healed for life. <laughs> in heaven, you'll, be, you'll have a glorified body. In heaven, you'll have the riches that you want. Whatever the case might be, he doesn't answer you. No. He says, yes, I will do those things. But it might not happen in this life. But certainly in eternity, with him in heaven, when we worship in him, he, the answer will come at that place. And that just, changed my thinking again. It changed my perception. It just gave me another, a new um, understanding that guess what? God is in charge. God is in charge. Yes, I know that the word says that the God of this age, the enemy is busy and, uh, at work in, on the earth, but God still is in charge. He oversees everything. Oversees everything. That's a very long introduction. I'm sorry. But it's, it's good. It's good to realize that God is God. And he's got the power to do anything. He can do anything. Our hearts need to be ones that are, understand that it is up to him. It's his prerogative to do whatever he needs to do. When Jesus was in heaven, he had the very nature of God. Put that aside and came on unto this earth to win your soul and my soul. Because why? He loves you and I. Today we will then look at the last um, part of this scripture and try and understand 
how it applies and what it means to us. The last part it says this, did not consider, this is Jesus, it robbery to be equal with God. And here as Paul continues to encourage his friends in Philippi through this scripture, he, the, the big idea, the theme of this book is the theme about unity. Paul continues to encourage them and say that you are to do these things, you are to live this way so that you can be united. And as you are united, so God gets the glory. Because when you are united, when he gets the glory, it's not about you, it's about him. And he helps them to understand how this looks like. How does this idea look like? And he points out on, in, um, in a direction that we need to look at as, as he writes this passage of scripture. And he says to us that there are two facts, or two ideas, or two things that break unity. Remember, he's trying to encourage unity within the church. In Philippi, as the Holy Spirit will encourage unity with us this morning, um, churches that are out there within the Christian community, and he says there are two things that break any kind of unity that we work in towards in our relationships, in any setting. There's, there are two primary things that cause um, bring disunity. And he says this as we have read and you will see. The first, he says, is our attitude. Our attitudes can either break or make unity. It can bring disunity because of how your attitude is. And then the second thing he points out is, so the first is our attitude and the second is the lack of humility. The lack of humility in our lives. And so Paul addresses these two issues by looking at the best and greatest example that we have ever heard. The life of Jesus Christ. Who was God in heaven, came down to earth as a man, lived amongst us and experienced the things that we go through so he can Testify as to how we are to outwork these things. And so we find ourselves in verse 6. And I like this translation. As, as I said last week, it speaks, I think, better to our ears. Um, where it, it says, Who, this is Jesus, being in the very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. And yet another translation says it this way. Did not consider equality with God something to be exploited. And so this scripture asks us to consider the attitude of Jesus. The scripture asks us to consider the attitude of Jesus. I am the man. Jesus, powerful God. What is his attitude? Did not consider that stuff. Did not consider that stuff. He, he took on a, a human form to save you and I. So this scripture asks us, us to consider Jesus' attitude while he was here on earth. So the question we've got to ask is, what did what Jesus did not do. 
He was God, had everything he created. It was all for him. He came on here to earth and uh, he didn't have that stuff. He didn't have that power. He didn't have that uh, authority as it were. But what did he not do? And the scripture says there, he did not consider equality with God a thing to be exploited. See, Paul uses another phrase to speak of Jesus' divine nature. Equality with God. We need to understand that Jesus was God, has always been God. When he came onto earth, he stepped aside from his godliness, if that's a a way to put it. He stepped, he put that aside so that he can come to human um, uh, world and interact with us and be able to win us back, redeem us to his father. That's a major thing. I am all-powerful. I am, everything is created by me and for me. I've created you for me, for my Father's glory. But you've wondered, you've gone wayward as it were. You have wondered. But in all eternity, before I created you, I kind of knew this was going to happen. And I decided that I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to humble myself and put those things aside and come to your world so that I can redeem you. Redeem you. That does not sound like a human attitude. It does not sound anything like in my head. I'm going to put everything aside, my wealth, my power, my whatever, so that I can win you over. That doesn't sound humanly impossible. I need you to just understand that. This is Jesus. This is how he, who he was and how he was. And then we look at ourselves today. Um, it's funny, it's part of our sinful nature sinful human nature to exploit the advantages that we have. We have power. It's, our, it's part of our sinful nature to exploit those, the, those powers so that I can gain more or I can go further, whatever the case might be. It's part of my, my, my nature to exploit that situation, to, bring, to make it an advantage towards me and for my benefit. It's true of you, it's true of me. It's human, sinful nature. You think about, I'll use a church context, uh, where there are people who will go to church, born again, serving Christ, kind of following Him as best as they can, but it's in their nature to try and exploit the fact that we have relationships. And so they'll go into a church and look and see, ah, I want some nice business contacts. I can make, can make son a deal there. I can make money from that person. Or, you know, I'm not married. I need to get married. He, the girl, he can make a nice wife. He's respectable. Or as, as, as a guy, oh, she's nice. She can make a, a nice wife. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I'm 
this is a nice, nice ground. I know their hearts are good. I know these things are well. But actually, it's, I'm using it to my advantage. I'm using it to my advantage. I'm also, almost exploiting the situation so that I can get the best out of it. It's human nature. Our sinful human nature almost causes us to do that. It's not wrong to engage with one another. It's not wrong, and, but the key is we need to allow God to work it out. Yeah? We can't be so dormant that we're sleeping and God has to wake us up uh, when there's a nice lady and you're not married or what's happening, or a guy, whatever the case might be. We need to be active. Yes, I understand those things, but we, not, we need to be a people who are not taking advantage, exploiting the situations, our relational situations for our own advantage. We often will be trying to exploit or take advantage the respectability of each other, maybe. I say that because we need to look at Jesus. Jesus had the greatest conceivable prospect of exploiting a situation. He was the son of God after all. He had an immense advantage. He shared in the divine nature but Paul says he did not consider those things. Equality with God, a thing to be exploited. Remember, we talked about what Jesus did, his attitude, what he, how he was whilst he was here on earth. We spoke about what he had before he came to earth. He was God Almighty. Jesus did not attempt to become greater than the Father. And when he became a man... He did not exploit the equality with God to come to an easier life than the Father's will for him. He did not choose an easy human life or wish to come to a position of political power. Jesus, the King of kings, the creator of everything, could have chosen to be a, a, a Caesar or Pontius Pilate or the, the kings of kings. He could have decided to be anything. He did not use that. He did not exploit his godly deity to, be all, to come into an easy life, easy human life. He decided not to. He did not exploit his equality with God to come into a prestigious and honored position in life. I mean, if I had a chance, I want to become a king. I want to become a president. I want to become something. I want to become... If I have a chance, that's what I want. It's my human nature because I want an easy life. Life is too hard. What can I do to make it easy? What can I do? What advantage can I take so that I have it easy? Jesus did not do that. Look at him. He was not born into a wealthy family. We're not born into a wealthy family. How many of us wish we were born into a wealthy family? He became a man. And when he did that, he did not exploit his equality with God. He did not exploit it to come with the radiance of divine glory the Son of God, before he took on human nature, made a choice. Remember, in all eternity, he made a choice. He knew he would come 
down to earth as a man and go through the things, the hardships that we go through, to experience what we go through so that he can relate to us. He made a choice that this was the Father's will and I will oblige. I will walk this road because it brings the Father glory. This was Jesus' mentality in all eternity before he became human and when he became human. That was his mentality. I will do what I can to bring God his glory. He made no attempt to prematurely end his subjection as a man under the authority of his father. And so in all of that here we see the attitude. There's that word. The attitude Jesus had. A humble attitude. One which pleased God and brought glory to him. So Paul reminds us of this decision. Remember it was made. Jesus made the decision. He made it in this decision in eternity. In all eternity. He made it again whilst he was on earth as a man. And Paul reminds us of this decision that Jesus made. Why does Paul do that? Why does he write this to us? Simply it's in order to invite us to similar decisions in our lives. It's to invite us to have similar decisions in our lives. So he says to us, Philippians Church, his friends, the Holy Spirit will say to us this morning, have this mentality among yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. Jesus did not use his glorious sonship to display himself or to get admiration or an easy life. Jesus himself, I mean, he was, a son, after all, he was the son of God. While he was going to do all those things, he could have called God and said, God, please do something. Change this. I don't want to die like this. This is painful. Why was I born into this um, not so wealthy family? Why? Change it. He was God after all. He was the son of God after all. He could have called his father and his father could have acted. But one thing he understood is that he was in, uh, uh, um, in his father's world. A great, greater plan for the redemption of the world. So at this point I've got to ask you and I. How is your attitude? How is your attitude towards your family? How's your attitude towards your employees? How's your attitude towards your colleagues? Perhaps your manager. How's your attitude to the ones who are below you? How's your attitude towards your friends? In fact, how's your attitude to everyone and everything? Does it please God? And give him glory? Does it? Only you can answer that. But let's continue looking at this and understanding how Jesus was. His attitude was one that pleased God, yet, and as a result, brought glory to him. 
And later, as we carry on through this uh, scripture, we'll see what the result of that was. What God did for Jesus, the man on earth, because of his attitude, because of his obedience to God, because of giving, having this mentality of thinking of others more than himself. So it goes on to remind us, so Paul, that Jesus did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. And here we can see Jesus' thought pattern in the word consider. He did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. This was his thinking about becoming man, a, a man, and dying for the sins of the world. I mean, it was natural of Jesus the man, the human being, to think of himself as co-equal with the Trinity. He he was God after all. He came from the Father. It it would have been natural for him to think, well, I've got a a few advantages, I've got a few powers I can call on, and I can can speak to the storm, it stops, I I can do things, I can do things. So actually I am a little bit more got more power, got more advantages. He knew that. Because in eternity past, before creation, he thought about what he would do about salvation. God the Father thought, how is he going uh, to win us back? To, how is he going to redeem us? And this was his plan. In my head, I don't understand why this was his plan, but it was his plan regardless. And Jesus became a subject of that and appreciated and agreed and actually said, Father, I do not know. Remember, Jesus, because one of the arguments that I've had in, my, in, uh, in past years is we speak about Jesus, but Jesus had an advantage. He was a son of God. He was close to God. He had the th- some things I don't have that he had. So it's almost unfair for me to be expected to walk in the way that he walked because he was the son of God. And as I've read the word, I've continued to to pray and look at the... I've come to realize that the same... Remember, Jesus was God. He had everything. He became man. And what... There was a separation. There was a separation. I mean, in 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 the... When he died on the cross... God turned his back on him. It was a separation. Jesus was man. That's why it's called Jesus Christ. Jesus, human, Christ, his deity. And I came to realize this thing. Is that that's not an excuse. Jesus did not have a greater advantage that I don't, you and I don't have today. Why? Because we are the sons and daughters of the Most High. We have been adopted into his family. Therefore, we've got the same access Jesus had to the Father whilst he was here on earth. So we've got the same access as he did. The only, one of the only differences is that Jesus reached out to God. We often don't. We reach out to ourselves and our plans and, our, uh, and maybe even others more than we go to God. But we are the same. As Jesus was on earth, he was tempted he felt hungry. He felt all these things that we do. What set him apart? It's because he was, he was um, reaching out to God more than we do. 
And so that's not an excuse for me. So that is no longer, I don't make an excuse and say, oh, I don't know, but I'm not Jesus. Yes, you're not. But you belong in the, the family of Jesus. You've got the same advantages. And that's true for you and I. For all of us. We can reach out to God at any moment. Any moment. And He will do what is best in um, line with God's will for your life and for the entire, whatever plan He has for you on this earth. Now, that's heavy. I know. It's heavy for me. (laughs) It is. But that's a reality. That's a reality. That actually you and I, we have been redeemed. We have been redeemed. We experience what Jesus experienced. He knows our very, the depth of our hearts. He understands what's going on in, in his deity. As God, he understands. He experienced what we are going through in his humanity. And therefore, we can relate to him. So Paul would use this scripture, scripture as a whole, in trying to guide us to go back to Jesus. Go back to him. We cannot say, no, 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 no. Well, I'm not Jesus. Yes, you're not. That's true. But you belong to him. He created you. For his own glory. So the first thing that Jesus thought was that it was not robbery to be equal with God. And this means, to be means, it's a state of being. In the present tense, this means eternal existence. He was eternally conscious of his existence with the Trinity. Do you have that in your, in your mind? Are you eternally, are you aware that, you, that Jesus lives in you? Do you often think of that? I don't always think of it. Sometimes I think I'm alone. I've got to face whatever the case might be. Instead of running to God and saying, actually, Father, you're with me. You say that you reside in my heart. I need your help, Holy Spirit, help me. Jesus lived like that. He knew he was the son of God. Did not use that as to his advantage, but he called out to him when he was a man. He called out to him and said, Father, I'm, I, knew, I know you're with me. Reaching out to him. And, and God just was able to just help him, guide him, how he, he should walk, how he should do. Had Jonah called out to God before he was, went through all of that stuff, it would have been a far easier journey for him to reach the goal that God had for him. So for us this morning, the question I have, do you realize that the King of Kings lives in you? Lives in your heart? Do you realize that? And if you do, do you call out to him in every situation? Do you call out to him for help? This Jesus was willing to step foot in a human body, give up everything or the glory to come into a human body and set aside 
the voluntary use of his glory. In his deity is Jesus, God. He did not stop being God. For eternal life cannot stop. He set aside the use of his essence of God because of his mission. He was willing to step into human body, which was a great humiliation to an eternal God. But he was willing to do that. Why? Because it was the Father's will. Am I making sense? Uh, uh. Two parts. Jesus, God. Jesus, man. Two, two parts. What he had before he became a man and how he behaved when he was a man. I say there are two areas that uh, often uh, uh, bring disunity. Our area of attitude and our area of lack of humility. Jesus decided to be humble enough where he will step into human subjection to give God glory. How are we with our lives when it comes to this thing of attitude and humility? Are we willing to, be, uh, to have an attitude that brings God the glory that's due to his name? Or are we too proud? Because I know best. I won't stoop that, that, to that level. So in conclusion, through this scripture, Paul invites us. To have the mentality of Christ, Jesus. Let's have that mentality. How do you get that mentality? It's, good. it's hard for you to get a mentality if you do not know where to find that mentality. That's why we are encouraged forever to spend time understanding the word of God. Because as we spend time understanding and learning the word of God, so we become like him as he's changing us. Then we get to understand that, as 1 John says to us, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This Word is life-giving. It's not a Bible project. We don't read it because we have to, because it's life-giving. And as you, if you, as you search, as you give yourself to, to this life-giving word, so he gives life to you. He brings life to you even more so. So Paul invites us and tells us to have the same mentality as that of Christ. When we are faced with all sorts of situations, as we will be, as you have been already, And when you have the mentality of Christ, make the right decision. A decision that comes from a place of humility. Which almost goes against the grain of our human uh, society. Be humble. Be humble. It's against human society. I want to squash you so I can go up. But the kingdom of God is almost the kingdom of opposites. You've got to go down so you, he can raise you up. You've got to give so you can receive. 
And it's a, it's a hard word, certainly for me. But here's how I try and deal with this in every situation. I don't always get it right, but I try. So a good question that I ask myself is, will my decision in this opportunity, in this situation, be pleasing to God and will it bring Him glory? If we can honestly answer those, ask ourselves those two questions as we go throughout our day, day to day, out, whatever the situation is thrown at us, could be more and more like Jesus, who will say, God, me going through this path onto the cross, it's not ideal for me, but I know that it will bring you glory. And I know that you're pleased by this decision. So in how we spend our finances, how we engage with our families, how we treat our kids, how we treat our colleagues, all these things, are they pleasing to him who's given you life or not? Let's close our eyes, please. Father, thank you for your most holy word that brings life and life forevermore in us. And where, Lord, we have tried to be clever in our own understanding, we have failed to be humble and we've become proud, we ask that you forgive us. We repent and ask that you'd forgive us. And then that happens again, God, may we be quick to recognize and reach out to you and say, Father, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Help me to make the right decision out of a place of humility that will bring you glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.